This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Largo Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new used or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk. At the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727 501 9090. That's 727 501 9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727 501 9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72, plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Welcome, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And boy, do we have a great show for you tonight. We have the guests of guests on the show tonight. Bill, how are you doing this evening? I'm rocking it out, baby. You're rocking it out, right? All the way from here to Detroit Town. Anyway, yes, we have an amazing guest tonight. Matter of fact, we're going to have a fairly long interview. So what we're going to do here is we're going to play a little clip of a song real quick, and then we're going to get right into the interview, okay? So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, listeners, you're back, and we're you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And let me tell you about our special guest for the evening here. Not only is this gentleman an uh, author, a hunter, conservationist, 
He's an ultimate car guy. He's a family guy. But, you know, more importantly, he's from Detroit. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening the living legend, rock and roller, the Motor City Madman, Ted Nugent. Ted, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Greetings from the epicenter of all things American rhythm and blues rock and roll barbecue celebration to you, Robert. How about that? Well, hey, I am really, really thrilled that you could take the time out of your busy schedule to uh, do this interview with us. This well, is great. I'm, I'm a thrilling, fun guy. If you're not having fun with me, you're weird. <laughs> okay. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess evidently uh, yeah, that's the name of the game. But anyway, hey, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the uh, great concert you got going on, or the, the concert tour, the Great White Buffalo Tour. Uh, it's, uh, it's been going on for how many months now? Well, actually, this tour started in, uh, February of 1957. 1957. <laughs> it's not stopped since about 1957. We rehearsed all of 1956, and we've been on a, a rhythm and blues, all-American freedom soundtrack jihad for, for my entire life. Now, I'm, I'm the luckiest guitar player in the world. Uh, people who really, really love and celebrate heart and soul musical, you know, intensity have always celebrated it with me and my amazing musicians. I've always been surrounded, Robert, with just uh, world-class virtuosos. And right now, for many years now, I've had uh, uh, Derek St. Holmes, this incredible vocalist. You hear his just amazing, soulful vocals on Stranglehold and Hey Baby, just what the doctor ordered. And Mick Brown, just an animal of a drummer, and Greg Smith on bass guitar. We're, we're basically single-handedly keeping the um, Motown Funk Brothers dream alive. But, you know, I've had amazing tours every year of my life, and I really do mean it. We started jamming in Detroit in 1957. It hasn't stopped since. I tour every summer, every year of my life. It's how I cleanse my soul and rearrange my my lower intestines. But but people come every night, and the positive energy this year astonishingly eclipses every other tour. This is the greatest tour of my life, so I'm a lucky, lucky guy, and the people are going berserk, and I love when that happens. Now, let me ask you a question. How old were you uh, when you started playing musical instruments, and what kind of got you into the music scene? Well, thank God. I mean, literally, I think God loves me a little more than he loves you, Robert, because <laughs> I was born in 1948, <laughs> right? Okay. right after Les Paul invented the electric guitar, and Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry showed us how to use it. So there was a, a an unleashing of a defiance and uppity spirited uh, status quo destroying rhythm and blues rock and roll that was perfected by the, the the electric guitar becoming the primary instrument. And again, you know Lonnie Mack and Dwayne Eddy and Dick Dale and the Deltones and the Ventures and certainly Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry. I mean nobody's ever invented such an outrageous grinding soulful music that these original electric guitar players created. So I was born just a few years after Les Paul invented the thing. And by the time I was seven or eight years old, I already had these unbelievable master musicians putting to use this new Les Paul invention to create this this outlandish sonic mayhem, this high-energy, driving, rhythmical, twangy, you know, dare I say, effervescent tonal outrage that only the electric guitar can create. So as soon as I heard the the originators, you know, whether it's Little Richard or, or Dwayne Eddy or the Ventures and certainly Bo and Chuck, 
how could you not want to play that instrument? So I plunged into it, and my dad, he allowed me to work extra jobs, cutting lawns and mowing grass and shoveling snow and washing windows and babysitting and selling night crawlers and painting fences. He, he allowed me to work 10 jobs so I could buy my first guitar. And then he demanded, God bless real parenting, huh? He disciplined me, forced me to practice every day, and I did. And here it is. I'm 64 years clean and sober because of that discipline and that craving for the incredible, perfect music that my musicians have always delivered. So that inspiration is alive and well. When I get on stage tomorrow night, Robert, it'll be like the first loud jam in a garage in Detroit in 1956. It's the, the energy level is absolutely indescribable. It's, it's so positive. It's so inspiring that it's, uh, I really think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. That's great. Now, let me ask another question. You're, you're from Detroit. Okay, what part of Detroit are you from, actually? Well, first, you've got to realize, a lot, nobody gives me any credit for this, but, but before I was born, it was known as town. It wasn't until I was born that it was more known as Motown, because I brought Mo attitude and Mo spirit and Mo <laughs> energy. So, so nobody's maybe right now live on your radio show. It's about time I got credit for that. But anyhow, now, Detroit, you know, you stop and look at Motown, the Funk Brothers, and everybody from Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, just un, unparalleled unprecedented, high-energy, soulful, musical music, um, right through the MC5 and Bob Seger and The Last Herd and the Amboy Dukes, and now today with, you know, Jack White and, and Kid Rock and Eminem and, you know, just everybody, Brownsville Station, the Grand Funk Railroad, I mean, the Romantics, and it's just every killer band that has ever really created this high-energy music really perfected it and created it in Detroit, so I'm very, very proud of that. And if I may, Robert, just last month, I was voted the number one guitar player ever in Detroit, and I guess I would say thank you and duh. <laughs> you are definitely that. There's no question. I mean, you definitely. Well, anybody, anybody that doesn't start grinding to my guitar playing, they need to. They need to see a doctor or a vet real quick. You know. <laughs> Speaking of vets, you're a hunter. How did the whole hunting thing start with you? Well, I was also born into a hunting family. My dad, you know, we talk about Les Paul and Chuck Berry, the founding fathers of this great electric guitar uh, insanity, this this high-energy, defiant music, which we all crave. I'm, I, I know we all do. And uh, what, a, what an amazing time to be born when the uh, military advancement of firepower, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the progress of ballistic um, uh, creativity and the, the engineering of better firearms, there was a, a guy in Michigan here by the name of Fred Bear. And Fred Bear really enjoyed the, the aim small, miss small firearms marksmanship, but he wanted more. He wanted to challenge himself more. So he brought back the aboriginal lifestyle of hunting with the bow and arrow. And my dad, who just got out of World War II in Korea, he was looking for a an ultimate peaceful, soul-cleansing lifestyle that Fred Bear promoted and convinced many people that hunting with the bow and arrow was the ultimate conservation. It's the ultimate discipline for a higher level of awareness, and it's the ultimate way to bring pure protein to the family dinner table. And so a lot of people started picking up on the incredible challenge and difficulty of hunting with the bow and arrow. But my dad was one of the first ones back in, you know, 1946, 1947, before I was born. So I was born into a bow hunting family. And, you know, every kid likes slingshots and Daisy Red Rider BB guns, you know, the discipline of safe firearms handling and, and, and marksmanship discipline. But every kid 
back in those days especially, always got a bow and arrow when they were young. And I got a bow and arrow, you know, by the time I was two or three years old, even it was just a suction cup gig, you know. And uh, I started bow hunting with my dad before I could walk. And I've never missed a season in 63 years. So it's an enormous, positive, powerful, higher level of awareness part of the Nugent family lifestyle. It's how we feed ourselves, and it's certainly about a, a, a discipline to uh, you know be the very best that you can be, or you'll have to buy chicken. You know what I mean? <laughs> in fact, right down in your neck of the woods, George Britton over there in Tarpon Springs has a place called Britton's Archery that was also inspired by the great Fred Bear who had his museum in Gainesville. And there's a lot of bow hunters around the country, probably five or six million of us. And uh, we harvest a lot of deer and elk and caribou and bears and moose and small game and big game. And we have a Hunters for the Hungry program distributing almost 300 million perfect meals of quality venison to homeless shelters and soup kitchens. So it's way more than a sport, even though the challenge is incredible. But it's a, in a, in a very important quality of life element to the Nugent family and millions of Americans. What charities, and it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, you're not typically associated with it. I mean, you are in your realm, but, like, unfortunately, the media, you know how they skew everything. But I mean, No, are you, are you kidding me? Are you telling me that that, that wasn't <laughs> a machine gun the guy used in Aurora, Colorado? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Exactly. You mean to say that, that Ted Nugent does charity work? Wasn't, that wasn't in Rolling Stone magazine, was it? Oh, that's right. Joan Jett was on the top 100 guitar players in Rolling Stone magazine, but Derek St. Holmes was not. Oh, that media. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Can you say liars? Yes, I can. I can even spell it. (laughs) Well, let me tell you. Today, just before I got on the phone with you, I uh, signed hundreds and hundreds of different items, which my family and I do. We have an assembly line six or seven times a year. And we sign thousands of donated items. We pay taxidermists to bleach these skulls of the deer and the bear and the different animals we kill. And these beautiful aboriginal pieces of art, wildlife art, we autograph them and paint them. And we donate them, literally talking millions of dollars worth of donations just from the Nugent family over the years to every imaginable children's charity and military charity. We literally do it, you know, 300 plus days a year. And I'm not bragging because we, we just sign things and we, you know, we pay a lot of money to have them processed and shipped and everything. But it's the people who donate money. And it's typically hunters and Second Amendment gun owning families and whatnot. And we have proof of this that they make the best donations when it comes to Children's Leukemia Foundation. Ronald McDonald Cancer House, the Wounded Warriors Project, and all the different military and youth charities. So we're very, very proud of that. But we're we're average. We're we're an average American who identifies real needy situations and people. And we give and we give and we give, and that's a that's a, a testimony to the average American that really digs deep when they see people who are truly needy, and we're sure that the donation actually gets to the deserving people. That's great. Now you also do uh, make uh, you're involved with the Make a Wish Foundation too, a little bit, aren't you? You do some stuff. Oh yeah, for them? that's one of them. We do Make a Wish Foundation, uh, the uh, the Air- American Airlines uh, Snowball Express that grants wishes to the children whose parents have been killed in the line of duty. So I don't think you can name a military charity or a youth charity that we're not involved with. That's super. Now, what are some of the things? Now, you spend part of your time in Detroit, part of your time in Texas, correct? 
We're actually full-time residents of Texas. I was born and raised in my beautiful winter water wonderland of Michigan. I'm a forever a Motor City maniac, and I love Michigan. I love the, the neighborliness and the positive energy, especially that was here when I was growing up. And even though it's hard to find today, it's still alive and well in Michigan. But I love the freedoms and the quality of life that we have in Texas for the last 10 years, and I'm sure that there's a reason more people are moving to Texas than any other state, because you just have more freedoms, and it's very more, much a much more positive, encouraging uh, environment for entrepreneurs and the creating jobs and businesses. So we love Texas, but we we hunt and we rock and roll in every state in the United States of, the, of America. And uh, there are great, wonderful people, the best people in the world in every state. Uh, we have property down in the Keys of Florida. Like I said, George Britton and his family, we come down there. We're going to go alligator hunting and fishing with them. And we also own a beautiful uh, home in Naples, Florida. So, uh, you know, we, we, we're Americans, so every state is my state, but we're actual residents of Texas right now. Okay. Well, now, let's go out, let's jump into cars a little bit. What's your uh, your affiliation? I know you've had a, some cars, and I know you were on Stacey David's show one time with, on Gears TV. Matter of fact, Stacey was a guest on our show one time, and uh, you were jamming with him, and then you were working on your Broncos. And I know you're a big Ford Bronco kind of fan, so tell us about some of your cars and your trucks. Well, first of all, a salute to Stacy David. Literally today, this morning, I was uh, getting ready to put an email together to Stacy because he's doing an amazing job. He is the wrench czar. Stacy David could take a pile of rusted metal debris and turn it into the most high-powered horsepower rocket ship handling master mobile on the planet. So he's a real hero of mine. And I couldn't be happier that he's rebuilding my original Bill Strop Ford Bronco because Bill Strop invented the Bronco and with Parnelli Jones, another dear friend of mine, they won most of the Baja 500s and Baja 1000s because of the incredible touch that Parnelli Jones had and the incredible wrenching touch that Bill Strop had. And that's what Stacy David is continuing with my original Strop Bronco. And I expect to get it back here before hunting season and haul lots of venison around with it. But, yeah, I, I love horsepower. I love handling. I'm not really interested in going 200 miles an hour, but I like to get to 100 right now. And uh, I like to have the ultimate handling, and I do. I own a couple of ZR1s, uh, Corvettes, that have been tweaked by the GM race team. I've got a, a 1966 original Ford Bronco that's been completely frame-off, rebuilt by Build a Bronco here in Tecancha, Michigan, and the Butler Body Shop guys. And uh, I, I'm a pretty good wrencher, but my, my touring is, keeps me so busy all summer, and then I guide and outfit hunting all fall and winter, so I'm a busy guy. Plus, I'm not as good as Stacy or the Build a Bronco guys, so I leave that in them, their hands because they are the masters. Then I have an unbelievable 1974 Ford Bronco that is just the perfect balance of handling and lift and durability and snarling off-road capabilities built by Jeff's Graveyard in uh, in Michigan here, Jeff's Bronco Graveyard. So I love my trucks. We also have a Suburban, and I, I guess I have to admit, Robert, um, I'm, a, I'm a pushover. I'm, there's another P word that describes me, too. But uh, <laughs> my beautiful wife, Shemaine, just had a wonderful birthday party, and I bought her a brand-new BMW 650i that is a damn rocket ship. So we love handling. We love good driving. But stating all that, I don't like to go very far. If I got to drive more than two hours, I won't go. Or I'll call my buddy with an airplane because I've traveled my whole life touring for over 6,300 concerts for almost 50 years. So my favorite thing in the world is sitting at home. And I like being home, hunting on my home property, and 
in a hubby out of my little cabin here in Michigan in our home in Texas and just rocking my balls off every night all summer. And then just staying home with my dogs and my wife because I have such incredible hunting at the Nugent properties in Michigan and Texas that I just don't have to go anyplace else. That's super. It's funny you mentioned Strop because Strop is a big name. It was like the home and the moody of the uh, West Coast. And then Parnella Jones, who, by the way, has also been on our show, super nice guy, great guy. And well, how about that, Robert, that I was able to jam with Les Paul to go hunting with Fred Bear to drive with Bill Strop and Parnelli Jones and Mickey Thompson. Are you oh, kidding man. me? I mean, I've really been to the mountaintop, so I'm again. I thank God every day. I've I've really hung out with the best. I've 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 been able to jam with the greatest musicians in the world and uh, and drive. When I drove professionally off road racing for about a dozen years back in the late seventies and eight early eighties, uh, Parnelli Jones and Mickey Thompson and Bill Strop would literally walk the courses with me and show me how to read them and which line was effective on an off-road, you know, uh, broken terrain versus a stadium uh, pace. And I, lo- I won a lot of those races, and I finished a lot of the races. And most of the races that I didn't win, I, I crashed <laughs> because because I've been known to push it a little beyond the limit in my life. But being taught and tutored by Mickey Thompson, Parnelli Jones, and Bill Strop, are you kidding me? Am I lucky or what? Those are the legends. Eh? Really Those are. are the best of the best, huh? That's amazing. That is amazing. And Ivan Man Stewart and Rick Mears. I've just been very fortunate and blessed to be able to hang with the best in every, you know, every passion that I have. Wow, you are just, uh, yeah, I mean, just all around. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, your TV show. you got this TV show, Spirit of the Wild. On, uh, yeah, we've, been, we've had a bunch of TV shows, and again, uh, because uh, my team is so good, from Linda and Doug, and, and certainly my sons and daughters, and my amazing wife, Shemaine, are surviving Nugent and wanted Ted are alive and running wild from Ted Nugent on VH1 and, and Versus and MTV. They've always been number one, and our Spirit of the Wild show on Outdoor Channel and on public television in the early years has been number one for, geez, 20 years now. But I think the reason our shows are so successful is because we don't really produce them. We just start the camera rolling. We just, we've never done a take two in our lives. We just roll the camera and we document the way that we hunt and fish and live a conservation lifestyle. And, and, and we're hands-on. We're, we're pragmatic. We're, we're utilitarian. We, we are self-sufficient, and we prove that hunting, fishing, and trapping is the ultimate environmentally positive conduct that mankind can endeavor. So that's why our shows are number one. And I, want, I, I do want to thank everybody for making Spirit of the Wild on Outdoor Channel the number one show all these years. And I know it's because we relate and connect with the average uh, outdoor family out there. So thank you very much. That's great. Now, your book... Uh, you've written, written a number of them, but let's just go to Ted, White, and Blue, the Nugent Manifesto. What exact? Tell our listeners a little bit uh, about that book, the essence of the book. Well, first of all, I, it, why I haven't won the precious, adorable, cute award of the year, I'll never know. <laughs> because the, 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 guy who, the guy who swings on stage on a rope and rides a buffalo on stage and writes Wango Tango actually has had two New York Times bestsellers. If that's not adorable, precious, and cute, I don't know what is. No, I, I have seen this culture war where uh, a vicious and hateful America-hating leftist Mao Zedong fan club is really intentionally destroying America, which has been manifested now with the criminals in the White House, from Barack Obama to Eric Holder and, and, uh, and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Rahm Emanuel and Van Jones. I mean, are you kidding me when the number one cop in America 
uh, Eric Holder, the U.S. Attorney General, can violate his oath to the Constitution and in, in cahoots with an agency, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms out of Arizona, where these corrupt, power-abusing monsters actually run illegal guns to Mexican drug gangs, this, this is beyond bizarro. And I saw this coming way back in the 60s when the hippies and the dope smokers tried to ban hunting and ban the Second Amendment. I just had never witnessed anything so ignorant and putrid in all my life. So I started fighting it, and I started writing articles for many, you know, uh, many magazines and newspapers, and I started writing my own books, and both uh, uh, Ted White and Blue, The Nugent Manifesto, and God, Guns, and Rock and Roll, have both been New York Times bestsellers, not because I'm a bright guy or a great writer, but because I'm a simple guy. I'm a pragmatist, and I identify historical and current evidence to support the things that I believe in and our founding fathers believe in, and spotlight the cockroaches like the President of the United States and the the wasteful spending of George W. Bush and his father and Bill Clinton and and so many power abusers in our government. And we, the people, have been sound asleep, and that's heartbreaking. Let me nail why I write these books and why I'm a, a political activist, because I spend a lot of time with Marines and sailors and airmen and soldiers who have sacrificed their lives and their arms and their skins to support and enforce the U.S. Constitution. And then we have bureaucrats and we have a power-abusing presidents and attorney generals in the United States of America violating that Constitution while these heroes of the military are dying to enforce it. And I find that absolutely unacceptable and vile. So I write and I, I do interviews, and even on our Spirit of the Wild show on Outdoor Channel, I bring up important issues why we the people have got to re-engage, and we've got to get these criminals, these America-hating monsters, the hell out of the White House and out of our government. And that's what my books and that's what I, that's what I live for, to thank the U.S. military and their families for their incredible sacrifices by actually participating in this sacred experiment in self-government. You know, it's interesting you mention that, too, because uh, it sounds like you're extremely conservative and you're extremely pro-America, and I'm right behind you there. As a matter of fact, for the last four or five months, we've been getting your Ted Nugent for President bumper stickers, and I would wager to say there's probably more cars running around in Pinellas County with Ted Nugent for President bumper stickers on them than probably any other political for lack of a better word, uh, that's uh, running an office right now. And it's well, Robert, i got to tell you, if you really want to get positive to be maximum positive and really cause a hippie much pain and suffering, yeah. by all means, put a Ted Nugent for president <laughs> sticker on your car. Because uh, I'm not going to run for president, even though I should. You should. But uh, it causes the leftists and people that hate America. You'll find that people that hate Ted Nugent, if you really study their modus operandi and what they stand for, if a person hates Ted Nugent... They hate America, and I could not be more proud that those subhuman subhuman beasts have a problem with me because I reek of logic, truth, and self-evident truth and common sense, and people that have a problem with me are just weird. Well, you know, it's like the stickers on the back of my excursion. I got a 2000 Ford excursion, which I don't mind people knowing that I do. And it looks a little on the rednecky, aggressive side. But anyway, so somebody said to me one time, so aren't you afraid somebody's going to shoot at you? And I said, sure, go ahead, do it, because I'll shoot back. That's so, right. You, no, but, you know, the bottom line is um, that's the line drawn in the sand, and it's really a tragedy. When you've got a government, a United States government, who tries to tell the people that the shooting at the Fort Hood Army base had nothing to do with terrorism or Muslims or Islamists, or it, it, but it was a workplace-related violent act, 
when the when the terrorists yelled out Allah Akbar before he started killing and murdering, slaughtering innocent American servicemen and women, and the government calls that a workplace-related violent occurrence, are you kidding me? So anybody that believes that is the enemy of America, because by not identifying the enemies of America, you're supporting them, which makes you an enemy of America. Absolutely. Well, let me get your thoughts on, I mean, I mean, on, on where do you think this country needs to go? Now, one thing you did, I just want to jump back for a second. You're, you're very much anti-drugs, true? Yeah, militantly. All okay. my life, I've been clean and sober for 63 years. Okay, well, I'm with you right there. I've never tried drugs. I've always been anti-drugs. And I came from Marin County, Northern uh, California, which, you know, my mom and dad had a business in San Francisco. So I was around in the 60s when that whole hippie movement and the dope thing sure, was going I on. Know, I know Marin County. I got a bunch of buddies that are deer hunting up there right now. <laughs> okay, it's a cool place to live anyway. But, you know, the thing is, is people don't get it. And would you, would it be fair to say, and I know this is not normally my line of stuff on my um, subject matter on my radio show, but since I got you here, I want to talk to you about it because I, I it, coming from from someone like you as a testimony. Drugs are for a bunch of wussies, okay? And it is a huge social problem in this country, and I don't think our government or anybody else is doing the right thing to stop it. Would it be a fair statement? Well, it would be a fair statement. I think, once again, you're identifying the obvious evidence that is ubiquitous and it's universally available to anybody who is honest enough to admit it. I've also been a, a law enforcement official. I've been a cop, a sheriff deputy in Michigan for 36 years now, almost 30, 32 years. And I've conducted federal raids in, Mich- in uh, Texas against uh, 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 fugitive felons. I work with the uh, federal marshals, the ATF, the, the DEA, the FBI, the Texas Rangers, and local and state and, 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 and city law enforcement. And in every instance where a crime is committed, any kind of crime, you will find a doper. You will find a substance abuser. Anybody that doesn't admit that is just brain dead. And there's a soullessness to intentionally pursuing a reduced level of awareness, knowing you will become a liability to yourself, your family, and your fellow man wherever you go. The more, I'm telling you, the day after you smoke dope, and during smoking dope, and forevermore, your brain will never be what it was meant to be. Every time you you partake in abuse substances, you're losing brain matter. You're losing logic. I watched Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison and Keith Moon and the guy in in uh, in in in, in uh, ACDC and the guy in Def Leppard and, and Phil Line. I mean, come on, the list goes on and on and on. How many more stinky, rotted? Dead carcasses do you have to step over before you realize that abusing dope, abusing substances is suicide, and it breaks people's hearts and ruins lives? I don't believe there's a war on drugs. I believe there's a little, there's an argument about drugs. If there was a war on drugs, I've, I've conducted a war on drugs in my life, and there's nobody in my life abusing substances Nobody. Now, that being said, Mick Brown did have a couple extra beers last week and took a golf cart for a ride. (laughs) But that's a rarity because he's a consummate professional. He did let his guard down. But constant abuse of substances, regular abuse of substances, occasional abuse of substances destroys lives.
idiot. You're right. I mean, absolutely. Now, what do you think? I'm always right. You're always right. Okay. <laughs> you're, t- you're the Ted. Uncle Ted, by the way. Well, once again, if you worship the altar of logic and self-evident truth and you examine evidence, you don't have to guess. The jury is not still out. I mean, people have made fun of me my whole life because I wouldn't smoke their dope and snort their coke. you got to be kidding me. These people are flopping around like a bunch of stinky bonitas on a sunlit beach or <laughs> dead. Why in God's name? Would you want to intentionally reduce your level of awareness and not be in control of your life and pursue stupid? It's supposed to be about pursuing happiness, not pursuing stupid. Exactly. All right, let's change the subject for a second. Nuge Java Coffee. Tell us about that. I'm not a big Joe drinker, but I wrote a bunch of articles, and I celebrate on Spirit of the Wild show, uh, that there's a certain spirituality. There is a certain special invigorating environment at deer camp, and it always includes the smell of coffee brewing before the sun comes up. And when I and when I wrote about it ever so eloquently not long ago, um, a custom coffee brewer got a hold of us and said it was the greatest written word he'd ever he'd ever read about the the power of coffee in a in a in a setting like at deer camp. So we offered to custom brew me some Nugent coffee, and I said, yeah, give it a crack. And now uh, they made it up. Uh, my buddies who like coffee even more than I do, they all taste it and they thought it was the greatest stuff in the world. So now we have a Ted Nugent coffee called Nuge Java. I also have my own arrows that Gold Tip Arrows makes. We have a Ted Nugent zebra arrow where we make donations to children's military and, and cancer research. And then I have my own Ted Nugent line of ammo. Are you kidding me? I have my own Ted Nugent <laughs> ammo coming out next month. And it's state-of-the-art, hardest-hitting, most accurate ammunition for self-defense and big game hunting in the world. And when people approach me for great ideas like that, we scrutinize it, make sure that they're professional business people and that they deliver the greatest product possible. And when they do, we go for it. Now, when you're um, – let me guess. Everything's made in America, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. All by, right. by legal Americans, by the way. By legal Americans. All right. Right on. Now, down in Texas, I understand you have the, the Ted Nugent Safari thing. How to, tell us a little bit about that, how that works. Well, once again, I started, you know, I've always celebrated and promoted the importance of hands-on conservation, you know, respecting the renewable resources and using them as a value-oriented resource, which is what hunting, fishing, and trapping is about. And the same reason we have the, the most quality board feet of timber in private hands in America today is because private landowners will just take better care of those kind of resources. But I started promoting it in a world of hippies that hated me because I hunted. They called me some kind of Bambi murderer. I don't know where the cartoons came in, but um, I guess if you smoke enough dope, you can pretend animals are cartoons. Uh, but they uh, they started you know attacking me and hating me because I was a hunter, when in fact hunting is the most perfect thing you can do to keep the earth balanced and to feed hungry people the greatest protein in the world. If you want organic, if you want green... You have to be hunting, fishing, and trapping to be the ultimate environmentalist. So I've always promoted it. And uh, people started, you know, hippies and crazy people started realizing that I'm having so much fun. I, I create this incredible firestorm of fun energy on stage every night at every concert. And they've realized that being clean and sober is a lot more fun. You Not only that, but you can remember it. And you can increase that fun by being in 
tune with yourself and your surroundings. And then they realize that my hunting discipline, my marksmanship discipline, my, my archery discipline, the whole hunting discipline was a higher high. It was a natural high and better than any other high available. So people started really bombarding us with questions about where to hunt, how to get started, what kind of equipment, where to go. And I started Sunrise Safaris, geez, uh, 30 years ago, 30-plus years ago. And slowly but surely, we now book hunts all around the world, either with the Nugent family or just with our uh, authorized guides and outfitters. And uh, we're busy all fall. I hunt nonstop September, October, November, December, January, February. And I mean, Robert, every day. I hunt every day. Last year, I hunted 301 days. Um, and I plan on beating that this year. But hunting is such a natural high. It's so environmentally positive, and it makes you a better person when you when you're honest about killing food, you know, and taking and taking an animal's life to feed your family and make clothing, medicine, and shelter and tools. And that's how we live. Even in 2012, we try to live a hands-on Aboriginal lifestyle with ultimate reverence for the creatures that provide us life. And that sentiment, articulated that way, caused people to want to learn about it. So we've recruited thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people into the hunting lifestyle because of our Sunrise Safaris outfit. And if you go to my website, I have a tednugent.com talk back and information on all the stuff we're doing. But my whole family, my whole team, they're the very best of the best. And if you want to give this stuff a shot, just like I would recommend George Britton over there at Britton's Archery, I mean, there are people that live this as a lifestyle, and you will never have more fun in your life than if you get a properly fit bow and arrow and learn to be accountable for every step you take, every action you you pursue, and uh, get close to that animal and kill it with an arrow, I'm telling you, you will experience the highest of highs and get the best food possible for the greatest diet possible. And that's what Sunrise Safaris and our Spirit of the Wild show is all about. Now, you said that Britain gentleman, now he's where, in Tarpon Springs, you said? Yeah, Tarpon Springs, they've got an old family outfit, Britain's Archery, and they know their stuff, man. In fact, everybody listening, you want to get baptized into the world of the mystical flight of the arrow, it's right down the road from me there in Tarpon Springs, Britain's Archery. Absolutely. That's only about 15 minutes up the road. We're here in Clearwater. Hallelujah. All right. Well, let me ask you another question. Where, as far hunting, do you do any hunting in Florida? Yeah, I have in the past. I've hunted over there in Bushnell and uh, killed a bunch of pigs down there. I've done a little bit of fishing down there, but I, I look forward to doing more because you've got great deer hunting, great turkey hunting, great hog hunting, great alligator hunting, great shark hunting with the bow and arrow out there in the, uh, in the Gulf. So, yeah, I'd like to do more, and I plan on it in the future. Really? Bow and arrow hunting? Sharks in the water? Oh, yeah. They do it all the time. It's a riot. That's interesting. Okay. Now, when you're down here in Florida, do you go to Ocala Forest? I think there's some areas up there in the, near the Ocala National Forest where they have uh, certain hunting preserves up in that area. They do. They got great hunting. You got a long season. You got a real a good game department down there. They've done a bunch of good work. They haven't quite admitted that you needed to have a bear season yet. You have too many bears down there. You should probably have a limited bear season so they don't get hit by cars and cause problems. But um, the Florida game department should be saluted. You have some really brilliant biologists and, and conservationists. So I salute them down there. They have great game wardens, really good game wardens. Most of them. I'm sure there's a, a goofball out there somewhere, but most of them are really dedicated heroes of law enforcement, and I really salute the Florida Fish and Game and uh, the game wardens down there. But yeah, you have unlimited opportunities in Florida. People come from all around the world to hunt alligators and turkeys in Florida, because that's the only place you can get an Osceola turkey. And uh, it's, it's a great source of tens of millions. In fact, Florida hunting and fishing is worth $4 
billion dollars a year. Wow, that's a lot. I, I got a huge chunk of tourist money. That's super. All right, now as far as seasons, what season do you like to hunt the most? Yes, I like to hunt them all. Um, <laughs> I literally rock and roll all summer, uh, literally six nights a week, and then I hunt every day, all September, October, November, December, January, and February. I think my favorite is probably uh, November and December because the white-tailed deer rut is on somewhere all across North America, and to be in the deer woods during the, the breeding season is really very exciting, very stimulating. There's a lot of activity, and it really peaks your uh, natural reasoning predatorship. So that's, I think that's every deer hunter's favorite time of year, November and December. Okay. Now, let's talk about the NRA for a little bit, National Rifle Association. Sure. The most important family organization in the world, standing up for our God-given individual right to defend ourselves and, and to keep and bear arms. I've been proud. I've gotten some of the highest votes in the history of the NRA, so I want to thank everybody out there for voting for me, because they know I stand for absolute Second Amendment rights, which we're fighting to get back now. So, And I want to thank Marion Hammer down there in Florida and the Florida gun owners and all the NRA members, because that was the guiding force to get upgrading concealed weapons provisions across this country. So Marion Hammer and the NRA, they've really done God's work. And because of these great heroes, we've saved millions of American lives because people have defended themselves, just like that brave gentleman at the Jacksonville Internet Cafe last week who shot the two monsters who came in to destroy innocent lives. Uh, by having a concealed weapon, he literally saved lives that day, so I salute him. Yeah, that's all over the Internet right now, YouTube. is the old guy that would just happen to be sitting in the corner when the two guys came in, right? Sure, that's how you do it. I wish he would have been at the Aurora, uh, Colorado movie. Yeah, he did, uh, he did save some lives then. Absolutely. Well, now let me ask you another question. What would what what were some, what would be some things that you would like to share with the listeners that you don't get a chance to talk or talk about very often? Because I know I've asked a bunch of questions. You know, some of the common stuff, some of the some unusual stuff, a little bit. You know, more about the car stuff, which a lot of people didn't know. But what would be something that you would like to share with some of the uh, listeners out there? Something that you know that is probably something that you think that you that they would like to know about you. Well, I don't think anybody really wants to know anything about me. I think we've okay. covered a lot of that stuff. I mean, I've led a, just an amazing life, and I'm not even warmed up yet. So, Robert, thank you for the opportunity to talk about the things that I love, because there's a lot of people that love the things that I love, whether it's hunting or the marksmanship discipline or conservation or the rock and roll or guitars or horsepower and the fun behind the wheel. So that's just not a Ted Nugent thing. That's a, that's an all-American thing that hundreds of millions of people in this country love. Uh, but I think the most important important thing we need to talk about is the condition of America today. And if everybody would just take a deep breath and ask themselves, the way you conduct yourself daily, are you an asset to America or are you a liability? Are you receiving a check from your neighbor for not doing anything? Are you receiving a check from the government, which is from your neighbor, um, that you didn't earn? Uh, I'm not talking about workman's comp that you paid into or or, or, or or Social Security or Medicaid that you paid into, you deserve that, even though the government has wasted and plundered most of that. Um, I'm talking about the, the horror of slavery welfare, where you literally have accepted dependency in the greatest quality of life in, in the world based on the Declaration of Independence. The way you conduct yourself, are you an asset or are you a liability? Do you commit crimes? Do you know people who commit crimes? Do you drink and drive? Do you, do you abuse substances illegally? 
Do you know people who do and you don't turn them in? We, the people of the United States, have got to become united. We've got to dedicate ourselves to do good, to not tolerate criminal and evil and dangerous behavior. Um, The American dream is about rugged individualism and being productive and getting up early and beating the competition and earning everything you get and living within your means. I saw somebody ask a politician that they didn't they only made 17 grand a year and they can't pay for their food and their their and their clothing and their fuel and their their heat and i i call bs on that if you make 10 grand a year or 20 grand a year you have to live within your means and if you can't and i'm not talking about getting your hair done i'm not talking bling bling i'm not talking a new leather jacket or new wheels for your monte carlo or a big screen tv or a cell phone i'm not talking about a air conditioning unit or a or a or a a new microwave oven. That's not living within your means. If you make X, you can't spend more than X. And if you have a brain and a soul, if you make X, you got to save a portion of that. You have to save in case you get sick. You can't negotiate sick days. You need to take care of yourself so you don't get sick. See, you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Americans have, there is a new embarrassing soullessness of self-imposed slavery and sheepishness in this incredible quality of life called the United States of America, and people do it knowingly and intentionally. And instead of saying shame on you and who the hell do you think you are, even though I just said it, I would beg people to take a look in that mirror. Do you only get what you deserve? Did you earn your income? Did you really go out and look for a job? Are you productive? Are you a provider or a bloodsucker? There's only two things you can be, a producer or a bloodsucker. And a lot of people listening right now, Robert, might hate me for saying that, and that's because they know I'm right and because they really ultimately hate themselves because they're guilty of sin. So America should unite. We should eliminate welfare. We should eliminate crying and and whining and excuse-making. We should eliminate these America-hating politicians by voting them out of office. We should get rid of this Mao Zedong fan club, this communist America-hating monsters in the White House. We should arrest and try and convict and and imprison Eric Holder and and Tim Geithner and Van Jones. Are you kidding me? We've got gangsters and criminals running this country. Which, by the way, because I'm saying this kind of stuff, and I say this stuff every day in interviews every day, that's why the government hates me. That's why the media hates me. That's why Wasserman Schultz and other subhuman America haters hate me. Because I stand up for being the best that you can be, and they don't believe in that. No, you, so, sp- you speak the truth, and I concur. Well, anybody that doesn't agree with me uh, needs to quit smoking dope and have their brain checked, or maybe borrow a brain because your brain's not working. <laughs> so, and, I'd, and Robert, I've got to call come some back come sometime, and we'll do a live show and take phone calls because I dare somebody to call in and debate me. Super, you do that? Anybody that tries to debate me, I'll I'll crush you. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this real quick, because I don't know how much time you got left, but let me ask you this. Wouldn't you say, because we're talking about 
you know, uh, morals, and we're talking about discipline. Now, I went to a Catholic school, and I believe that you went to a Catholic school. And wouldn't it be fair to say that when we were brought up, you know, we're only a generation apart, or not even that, because I was born in 56. But, you know, we were taught respect, morals, discipline, accountability, self-respect, self-reliance, and that is not taught in the school systems today, not necessarily in, in, in private schools, but even in the public school. And because that lack of of discipline and morals and all that stuff being taught in the school, that's one of the reasons why we have a bunch of drug addicts teaching in schools, drug addicts attending schools, and drug addicts and dopers, as you would say, running the country. Fair statement? Well, the, Dep- the, the Department of Education is a crime. Um, we spend more money per student than I think any any society on planet Earth, and we're creating the dumbest graduates, if they graduate, the dumbest kids in the world, because the teachers' union have abandoned their responsibility to teach and guide and nurture and discipline, and it's all about negotiating for the teachers. The hell with the kids. Now, there's a bunch of teachers that do God's work, and I and I feel terrible for the good teachers out there, both of them. Um, and I'm being silly now. There's a bunch of great teachers out there, but there's way too many. I'm afraid more than half of them. They're just ruining everything. They don't care about the children. They don't teach. They don't educate. They don't nurture. They don't mentor. And they don't guide and and, and bring upgrade into children's lives, which is creating the dumbest society in the world. And that's why we've got the president that we have. That's why we've got the criminal gangsters throughout this administration, because people don't give a rat's ass anymore. So you're absolutely correct. And let's get a couple things perfectly clear. My name is Ted Nugent, and I'm perfect human, which, mean, which means I've made some perfectly human mistakes. I'm fallible, and I've made mistakes, but I learn from them, and I don't repeat them. And let's get another thing perfectly clear, because every time I write my articles for humanevents.com, washingtontimes.com, newsmax.com, the dope-smoking liberal Wasserman Schultz America-hating idiots bring up the dirty lie that I avoided the draft and that I'm a ch- they literally say I'm a child molester. Now, I'm I'm a child molester. Is that before or after I spend another weekend with a dying child whose family invited Ted Nugent to take the little 6 and 7-year-old boys and girls on their last hunting or fishing trip in their lives? Am I a child molester before or after that? This is the kind of insane hate that the left spews. So make it perfectly clear, I have taken more little boys and girls on their last request in life than anyone you will ever get on this show. So when the Wasserman Schultz and the Michael Moores claim that I'm a child molester and I avoided the draft, know for fact that they are following the Saul Alinsky playbook to lie and demonize and discredit the people they don't agree with. I, I did not avoid the draft. I had a one-wide deferment, and I was never called up, and I've never committed any type of felony, any type of crime against anybody. The only crime I've ever committed is I bounced an arrow off a bear in Alaska. <laughs> the only, and I was driving a motorcycle backwards on the, on the highways of Detroit when I was 18. But being that as it may, um, this is the kind of hate and deceit that the left is 
spearheaded by the, the soullessness of the Wasserman Schultz and the Diane Feinsteins and the Nancy, you don't have to read this, you need to sign it, Pelosi's of the world. And I couldn't be more proud that such soulless, subhuman punks <laughs> like, like Wasserman Schultz hate me because I'm a Jew in Nuremberg, 1938, and I don't want the brown shirts to like me. Huh. Great, great, great. Hey, we only got a couple minutes left. You want to go ahead and plug your concert because you're coming here to Ruth Eckert Hall, August 6th. That's a, that's a week from Monday, right? Absolutely. I want to thank everybody. Ruth Eckert Hall is probably the greatest place in the world to play, along with the House of Blues. And quite honestly, any place the Nugent Band shows up. But we've been to the Ruth Eckert Hall there in, in Clearwater many times. And I want to thank the entire staff and the entire, the entire team at Ruth Eckert Hall. What a great place to play. Everything is absolutely world-class professional. And our shows there are legendary because of the energy from the people. So I want to thank... I've been coming down to Florida, Robert, since 1967. I played every year in Florida, except 2009, I think it is, and there, there might have been a couple others, but I've toured every year except 2009 for the last 50 years, and every time we come to Florida, they make us feel right at home, but uh, Ruth Eckert Hall is one of the best of the best, so I, I look forward to seeing everybody, Mick and Greg and Derek and I are having the greatest tour of our life. You've never seen music like this before, the intensity, the energy, and the soul of my band is unbelievable. So once again, thanks for this gravity-defying career, and I hope to see you there. It's uh, Monday, August 6th at the Ruth Eckert Hall in Clearwater, man. I'm looking forward to it. Super. Hey, I want everybody to thank, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars this evening. Our special guest was the one, the only, the Motor City Madman, Ted Nugent. Ted, don't leave just yet, because my producer wants to ask you a quick question, but after the show, can I get you to do a promo for me? Absolutely, man. Thanks for the opportunity, Robert. God bless Florida. God bless America. God bless the U.S. military and their families. And God bless all my hunting buddies in the NRA out there, man. Super. Okay. Hey, uh, Bill, go ahead and ask. uh, I was just wondering if he's a Congressman Ron Paul supporter like myself. Hell yes, I am. All right. I endorse Mitt Romney because I'm a pragmatist, but uh, Ron Paul is my hero. Absolutely. You you know that they're not offering him uh, protection. I know it's insanity. Hell, I'll protect him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't understand that. There's a lot of this I don't understand, especially referring to Congressman Paul, because his son is a great friend of mine, and I have nothing but in- immense respect and admiration for Ron Paul. So I don't know why this kind of inconsistency takes place. And believe me, I'm raising as much hell as I can with the political parties out there to get some sense of decency for Ron Paul. He's a great American. So if we came up with something like a big Congressman Ron Paul rally and we wanted uh, a musician to play like... You you would you would come down here to do that like maybe the twenty. 20- well, I, I tell you what, I'd have to run it by my management, my schedule. I'm certainly a big Paul supporter, but because we're getting moving forward towards the election, I've already endorsed Mitt Romney for all the right reasons. I think he'd make the best president of all of them, and uh, I got to make sure that it doesn't compromise my my endorsement for Mitt. And, and, and one last question: Did the, the Secret Service did come down there to your place, right? Was oh it, yeah, you bet. Did you did you did you take him hunting? Uh, no, but I, I have been hunting with some Secret Service guys. Uh, not these particular ones, but it was it was a professional meeting. They had to respond to the liars like Wasserman Schultz. Wasserman Schultz, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Diane Feinstein, and, and Sheila Jackson Lee. The America haters lied about what I said. The Secret Service knew damn well I didn't threaten anybody's life. They came in. They conducted themselves as the consummate professional law enforcement heroes that they are. They came in knowing I did nothing wrong wrong, but they had to check the boxes so they could tell everybody what they already knew. That is super. You know, Ted, again, I 
want to thank you so much for taking the time out to come on my radio show. This is great. Now, you definitely are going to come on again, right? I'm ready, man. You call Linda anytime. I have a schedule that would cripple most most guys, but um, anytime uh, I can, I'm more than happy to. And I really should come on live. We should take some phone yes, calls. Yes, absolutely. I'll challenge the weenies out there and make them look like the idiots they are. Okay, listeners, that about wraps it up. I want to thank our special, special guest this evening, Ted Nugent, Uncle Ted. Okay, don't forget, he's coming in concert live at Ruth Eckert Hall, August 6th. Okay, don't forget to visit tednugent.com for all things Ted. All right, meanwhile, drive carefully, stay safe, love your family, and we'll see you at the concert. We chased our pleasures here. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com.